And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I'm here, so <laughs> I'm Shea Gibbs Alexander, and I'm down to dunk. Howdy, Oklahoma. My name is Chet Holmgren, and I'm down to dunk. Dead gum. I'm Josh Giddy, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to dunk. <laughs> I have. I don't, is that like you eat it together? Everybody tells okay. me to get the bag of burgers. I need like a straw, like. <laughs> Howdy. I'm I'm an artist on the court. This is Jay Will, and I'm down to dunk. My name is Kenrich Williams, and I'm down to dunk. It might be Aaron Wiggins. This is a troll. It's a troll. I'm trolling. Howdy, Papa. Because I I think it would take away from who he is, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) I love Oklahoma. (laughs) I love Oklahoma to death. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. Perfect. Great. Very good. I like the hat. You like oh, the yeah. hat? <laughs> Vava, this is J-Dub, and I'm down to dunk. I've been doing a lot of dunking. <laughs> Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleich. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me today on a Wednesday is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, oh, what's up? What's up, Andrew? Dude, I still can't believe that they beat the Celtics last night. I still cannot believe that the Thunder I mean they held on. They were they were killing them at one point, but they kind of let go of the rope a little bit the way that Mark characterized it after the games. They got a little sloppy toward the end of the mm-hmm. game. Um, but then were able to pull it together enough to win that one. You know, after what they've done recently is Insane. Like, beat the Clippers, destroyed Minnesota, beat the Knicks, beat Denver in Denver, beat Brooklyn, and then beat Boston. I mean, like, this is this was some a part of the schedule that we kind of circled. They're like, okay, we'll kind of find out like what they're made of during this time. And I yeah, and you, I, I don't think I would have ever said that like this is what they were gonna do. I would have I would have looked like a fool had I said that yeah, this is what they were gonna do. Even with the home games, because I mean, other than the Denver game, I think these have all been at home. Yeah. The, yeah. the quality of competition was just so high that you, like, that game last night would have been um, less surprising if they had lost some of these games previously. It's almost like totally. it was building up, and you were just like, well, they can't do this too, yeah, the- right? They can't <laughs> also beat Boston. It feels too greedy to say that they could also yeah. beat Boston. And I mean, you would have did. sounded insane if you had predicted this, and uh, you would have been insane, by the way. Yeah, you would yeah, now, I would have been right. Yeah, uh, sometimes. Uh, but yeah, it was it was super impressive. And and talking about the, we can jump right to the fourth quarter to start yeah. with because I did think what was interesting about that fourth quarter, they're up eighteen with however minutes left, and Boston comes all the way back. Once it hit the five minute mark, that I think that's when Boston had cut it to ten. It was like one ten a hundred. Yeah, and from that point forward. It really was the big three. It was Dub, Chet, and Shea the rest of the way. Yeah. And it was such an 
interesting game because if you had told Boston before the game, hey, Josh Giddy and Lou Dort are going to be second and third in shot attempts, mm-hmm. they would have said, hey, we'll take that. Cool. And if you told that to Thunder fans, they would have said, well, how, how's that going to work? Who? Right. They, maybe they all had exactly the same amount. Mm-hmm. But then you get to the end of the game, entering that fourth quarter, Dub had five shot attempts. Mm-hmm. Chet had six shot attempts. They obviously were playing great despite you know those guys not taking a lot of shots. But I did think it was nice to see at the end of that game it all come back around to those big three. It was Chet hitting those big threes. It was Dub. That, that play he made to put them up four where he drives into Jason Tatum and just Tatum just bounces off of him. Yeah. And he shoots that kind of that mid-range floater in the lane. Like those were huge plays. Oh my gosh. And, and it was all the main guys, and they all looked so confident doing that. Yeah, in the fourth quarter, Dub nearly played the entire quarter, was three of four from the field, two mm-hmm. of two from the free throw line, eight points. Chet was two of three for six points. Giddy made a couple of free throws. Shea missed all three of his shots, but made three of four from the free throw line. Uh, it was outrageous. And then Jay Will started the fourth and had five points, including a three, which his three was big. All of Chet's threes just felt so massive. Those two in the fourth quarter just yeah. felt like one that pushed it back, like the lead back to nine that you just felt like, oh my gosh. It was just, it was like one of those moments where it was just like pure relief in the building because you could feel like the Thunder like fan base like tightening up a little bit um, in the building. But he hit, he hit the one with about five minutes left to push the lead back to, I think, 11. And then with two minutes left, it was 116, 110. And he hit the three with like 205 left. And that that was a huge one because I'm I'm not sure they win the game without that one with two minutes left from Chet. I mean that was a big time shot for a guy who hadn't like you said hadn't taken a whole lot of shots up to that point in the game and was ready and willing to hit. And the and the biggest thing is that the the Celtics had changed up their defense to stop Shea and they put Tatum on Shea and it was really bothering him. And Shea, man, Shea was. To have a star that's just like, okay, I'm going to let the other guys cook a little bit. I mean, that was huge for him to just be the decoy. I mean, he was the screener on that J-Dub shot in the lane on Tatum, basically yeah. to win the game. He was the screener. I mean, we've seen it's, – it's, this team is so much fun to watch because, like, they play unselfish basketball. They play the right way all the time. I mean, just all the time. And you have your star player willing to be the screener on the last possession. I mean, I remember I was doing stuff for Vantage Sports on screens, and I was just, like, astonished, like, looking at the numbers of, you know, Westbrook screens. Where it was just like, man, he only screens accidentally. Like, are they like are they recording this because he ran into somebody? Like, he wasn't screening for anybody. But for Shea yeah. to... Like, be the guy. He's like, I'm going to be the decoy. I'm going to be the one to set the screen. I'm going to pull the defense away from me. Um, uh, it's just crazy. It was crazy. I mean, it was crazy. And it was yeah. just very well executed basketball down the stretch. And uh, as good as Tatum was at the end of that game on Shea, 
I think that kind of highlighted, which is not something I felt before the game, but this is a pretty good matchup for OKC. Yeah. Because if Derek White and Drew Holiday can't stop Shea, <laughs> really their best option is Jason Tatum. And as good as he is, you don't want him guarding Shea for f- the entire game. Yeah, you, you, like, you, he's you not, can't. Yeah, you're right. You, you can't. can't like, do like, it. like, he you can't, can't do, do what he did on the other end. Because I saw a lot of Celtics fans saying, like, I wish we had gone to Tatum sooner. And, like, there is a limit to that. Like, there is some point where you just you can't go to him that soon. Like, you can't start him off on Shea in yeah. the first quarter. Most likely, at least in, like, a playoff setting. Like, maybe you could try it. Yeah. But I don't know. He, I, I went back and watched all of his shot attempts. So mm-hmm. he was 5 of 7 against Derek White, 5 mm-hmm. of 8 against Drew Holiday. Two of two against Hauser, one of one against Porzingis, Horford, Brown. This is like as as a primary defender, mm-hmm. and then he was zero of two against Tatum. Yeah, which which, which it, it wasn't just that he was zero of two; it was that he wasn't taking as many shots. Like you mentioned, like yeah. Tatum was really doing yeah. a good job of just preventing him from getting to his spots. He did great. Um, so yeah, but but that still like makes me feel pretty good not that these i mean they would obviously only meet up in the nba finals <laughs> which who knows i guess we'll talk about that at this point um but yeah I, I thought this team they're surprisingly like a decent matchup like i feel better about playing boston than even playing a team like the lakers and and part of it is that i was looking at the uh percentage of their shots that are rim attempts and boston is 26th in the league they, they take like 30% of their shots at the rim. Yeah. The Lakers are number two in the league. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, oh, that maybe that's why it feels so different. Like the Lakers create so much more rim pressure. And even though you're watching that game last night and thinking, man, the Celtics are big. Like they have a lot of big dudes. Yeah. It, you don't really feel it as much as when they play the Lakers because they're not creating as much rim pressure. Now you feel it in the sense that they're getting all these calls, um, which uh, get a lot of calls. Offensive rebounds too. There were some offensive rebounds that felt big last night. There was one. It yeah, was, it was funny. Like there was, it was the I think only Peyton Pritchard only had one, but there was like one that Peyton Pritchard had in the fourth quarter that just felt like ah, oh. like that just felt it just felt like a big one. Um, well, I mean, any Peyton Pritchard offensive rebound is gonna, gonna hurt. <laughs> It'll make you feel bad and dumb. Agreed. You know? Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, Porzingis was awesome last night. He Tatum, was. Tatum he was. was incredible. But, like, you're right. Like, Shea was roasting Derek White. And it was, it was funny. That Rose, just, like, like not – didn't. it wasn't even like, like – okay, he was making some crazy shots, no doubt. But, like, a lot of it was him just, like, blowing by Derek White. Yeah, he wasn't even bothered by him. He wasn't bothered yeah. by him at all. Same with Drew. Drew was – bad last night he and Jalen Brown were both bad last night um which is a thing and also like Giddy was really good like Giddy in his minutes played really really great and I mean that was probably Giddy's best game of the season yeah Um, I feel like we keep saying that like over the course like the last like two weeks like he's just been better like he just looks more like Josh Giddy did last year in these yes but that game was like Especially good, I thought. I mean, he was good. Yeah, he was very good. Obviously, you can't count on the three-point shooting, and you know, like I like I mentioned at the beginning, like if you get to the playoffs and you can tell the opposing team, like Giddy's going to take seven first-quarter shots, like that's the plan. Like they're going to keep oh, yeah. doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, we'll <laughs> we'll see if he continues being like a fifty percent three-point shooter or whatever. 
Um, but I mean, he's going to get those shots and he's looking confident in them. Like he's yeah. not hesitating. He's not catching and then hesitating and then either passing off or then shooting the three. Yeah. Like he is shooting it when he needs to be shooting it. Mm-hmm. Um, you're seeing more of the type of passing that I feel like we have been missing. Mm-hmm. Like he, he had that one play in particular to uh, Wiggins cutting to the basket. Yeah. The pass just like Wiggs. a classic giddy, like laser pass, you know? Yeah. That was, that was great. Even the pass that Shea dished out to Giddy in the corner and then Giddy just passed it right back to Shea and Shea yeah, got that, the that was such a funny play. Cause he like Shea bounced, uh, Derek white so far. Like he just it's like I, that was a play where I didn't know who to count as Shea's primary defender. Yeah, because it technically was Derek White, but by the time he scored, Derek White was like out of bounds. I was gonna say ground. he was like in the stands during <laughs> yeah. during that shot. Um, it's just like those like little smart plays that like Josh does, where it's just like man, he's just he's just a really smart basketball player when he's playing in rhythm, when he's playing confident. He can still be a really helpful player, and there will be times where he's not hitting those shots where he starts the game over three, and I and I think. You know, he and Isaiah Joe's minutes are probably tethered in some way. You know, like last night, you could play Giddy twenty-seven minutes. You know, and but there will be games where like Giddy's not hitting; he misses his first five shots, and it's like, all right, we need to play more Isaiah Joe. And like you have the you know the option to do that, but like yeah. I mean, Giddy put up twenty-three, eight and six. You know, eight of fourteen. He's up to thirty-six percent from three on the season, which yeah feels crazy. You know, I mean, he's and um, Gaelic in the chat says that Giddy's over forty percent on threes in the last twenty games. Like he's just, he's just been better, and you know, you can and they went away from him toward the end of the game too. And like, you have the option to do that, and a lot of that's like the precedent that Marcus set that he's like he's not going to necessarily just go with like the same lineups. Like he's not going to like Scotty Brooks or Billy Donovan you know, his way into these lineups. Like, he's feels, like, the freedom to do what he needs to do. And I think because of the way they still, like, are playing Porzingis on him, like, you can you can change that up, and then it makes things a little, life a little bit more difficult, and you can add more space, and you can create space for J-Dub to, to get his shots, or Shea, or Chet. And the thing about, like, the Thunder is, I mean, they are, it's so much fun watching them because they're so relentless, like even when Shay they shut down Shay and they're like, okay, we're just gonna shut the water off on him. We're gonna put Tatum on him. We're gonna put our full focus on him. The Thunder still play the exact same way because like J Dub does the same stuff. Like he still is driving. Even Giddy like does some of the same stuff. Chet allows them to play in a way that's just like repeatable, like every single game because of like his shooting from the outside, his finishing at the rim, and certainly the way that he blocked shots. He had four last night. I mean, the way like they can just you you watch them and like, yeah, this is who they are. And and what's cool is like you see them beat these really good teams. And like are there some some interesting numbers within there with like Josh? Like, sure. But like then also like Dort was one for seven. Like it was an uncharacteristic uncharacteristically bad night for Lou. And it's just like, yeah, this is like who the Thunder are. Because in the past it was, like last year they beat the Celtics like a drum, scored 150 points on them. But it was just like a weird lucky night and like a bad night from the Celtics. The Celtics played well. Tatum was awesome in this game. Porzingis was a monster in this game. And like the, the Thunder 
beat them. I mean, it was like full squad Celtics, full squad Thunder, and like the Thunder beat them. And it didn't seem like, oh my gosh, like the Thunder did something completely unsustainable. Like, no, like that's yeah, that's the Thunder. Like that's the team that we've been watching. It's hard to pick out too many more like challenges, at least in the regular season, that they need to like prove. You know, like I I don't yeah. know what else they really need to do. Like, there's going to be schedule related challenges in January with how many back to backs sure. they have and how many games. Yeah, but that's not super relevant to the playoffs because the playoff schedule is a lot different. It's it it would be nice to see. You know, it'll be fun to see. Yeah, how they handle all of these road games and. But also, going back like, to back. You, you look at the schedule, though. Like, it's, oh yeah, the teams themselves. It's not. It's not that difficult of a schedule. It's just the schedule itself. Yeah, the schedule itself is going to be really is going to be tough, and they're going to have to lean on different guys. Like, there's going to be games where like Vava plays 20 minutes, you know. But like, you look at the back to back, like Boston, it, and then they go to Atlanta. It's tough to do home road back to back, but like, even if they lost to Atlanta, it's like whatever. Like, if they lost to any of these teams, it's a whatever. They have Brooklyn, Washington. Like this is not some tough schedule. They go to Miami and they're back in OKC for Portland. It's like okay, like the toughest back to back they have is an is an LA back to back, but they don't have to go anywhere. It's yeah, Lakers, Clippers yeah. next Monday, Tuesday. Then they play Utah. Utah's playing better recently, so like that's not just like a gimme anymore. Um, then Minnesota, which is a tough one. And then, like, they have a Portland at home, San Antonio on the road back-to-back. like, And then they have Detroit, Minnesota back-to-back, where, like, they play Detroit on a Sunday afternoon and then back at home for Minnesota. So, it's like, none of them except for L.A. are really that crazy. Who, who will be on Detroit by that time, Andrew? They gotta make, they're going to be making some big moves. <laughs> I mean, sure... <laughs> Hey, hey, by the way, guess who's in the 11th spot right now? Is it is it still the Warriors? Uh, no, I'm talking about overall. It's Utah. Oh. oh, Utah. Oh, interesting. They're in the one pick that would give us the highest uh, return from that trade, the Derek Favors trade. They're currently in 11th. <laughs> they're, I mean, they're, I, they're playing well right now. I mean, they really are. They are. I mean, they're only... They're like... Who knows? We'll, we'll see what happens. But they're like a game and a half back of Golden State. And then after that, they're like two games back of the Lakers. So, And and they have the Grizzlies coming up behind them. Although I don't know what happened with Ja last night. I saw I saw the play where he got hurt. He did come back, but people right. were saying he still looked off. So hopefully that's okay. Right. But um, yeah, the, the, the Jazz slotted right in there at 11. I mean, I think we've both talked about we would much prefer to get that pick next year. Dude. And I think that if they're hanging around right there... Well, actually, I don't know what they would do. Would they feel the same way? Like, we'd rather have our pick next year. And so let's just keep going all out. Honestly, I think they would. Dude, I've been watching some draft prospects, and Mikel and I have been doing some pods. Yeah. I mean, some of the guys, like the guy right now that Gavoni. (laughs) Some of these guys. (laughs) The guy that Gavoni has right now going 12th. His name is Ryan. Who is that? His name is Ryan Dunn. Oh, yeah, from Virginia. Yeah. The only thing good about Ryan Dunn is that he has the same name as the guy from Jackass. Like that's the only thing good about him. It is cool. It's cool. It's cool. R.I.P. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. He. He. He seemed like uh, a play. I mean, I don't know if if he was the version of himself, like the idealized version, he could theoretically fit on this Thunder team. No. 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 
No. Well, he no. theoretically he was like a really good shooter, right? That was the idea. He was like a super defender, Ryan Dunn? and then a good shooter coming out of high school. He can't shoot. Well, that's a shame. Just can't do it. Can't well, in that it. case, uh, not interested. Can't sh- can't shoot. Barely shoots. Anyways, barely shoots. But he, wasn't he a forty percent shooter in high school? Dude, I don't know. I can just tell you his two years or his one year is he's a sophomore. His first year, bad, bad. Second year, hmm. bad, bad, bad. I would say bad, bad, um, bad, bad. Yeah. Anyways, like Utah, sitting there. You know, I I hope I hope the Thunder don't get that pick this year. <laughs> That's yeah. all to say. I hope the Thunder do not get that pick this year. Um, yeah, the Thunder are one are one game back of Minnesota now. You know, which felt yeah, like I mean, two weeks ago. It just just felt like oh, okay. You know, the Thunder can like well, stick well around, yeah. Like, at this point, it's like any five. stat you can say literally anything about this team, and it will sound crazy. Like if you just bring up any stat, just search them on any of your favorite stat websites. <laughs> They're fifth in offense, fourth in defense on cleaning the glass. They're yeah. projected to win 61.2 games. Uh, what else? In the last two weeks, they've had the number two offense in the league. Oh, by the way, I did look at this up. Um, starting with the Clippers game up until now, four of their top eight offensive performances by offensive efficiency have occurred since that Clippers game this season. Wow. So, like, their eight best offensive performances, four of them, half of them, have wow. occurred since that uh, Clippers game, wow. which included last night. They, their offense efficiency wasn't as good as, like, the Knicks game or the Timberwolves game, but it was still, like, almost 130 points per 100 possessions. Wow. And they also killed them again in the half court. Mm-hmm. They were great in the half court. I think they were, like, 122, which is absurd. Yeah, and that's against against Boston. Yeah, it's I mean it's and it's all just like the the drive and kick and the willingness of everybody to move around and the guard to guard screening that's just like happening all the time. And they started to like to um like really like slip screens in order to create space and like and that's been really fun to just see Mark try new stuff too because one and he's had to really be creative the whole coaching staff has with josh because of the way the teams are scheming against him like everybody's scheming against him like this now it's like everybody just put your center on him and they're starting to find some ways where they can put him in position to be a passer to be a screener to you know and sometimes he is camping out at uh the three-point line still but you you kind of have to just change it up every time because if he's just standing there on the perimeter and he's expected to either make or miss a three or drive into traffic or whatever, it's just not going to work. But they change it up every time, which I think is really helping Josh get into a rhythm. So it's great. And, that, and that's why, like, as far as the regular season is concerned, like, I, I, I don't have a ton of questions <laughs> left um because they've kind of answered everything so far like really i'm now thinking about the playoffs you know on something on a very small thing like uh, i was thinking about this last night will mark's use of challenges change in the playoffs because he's been very willing to use them early in games like he used it last night in the first quarter yeah and then there were several calls at the end of that game where i was like damn it mark i wish we had a challenge because some of these seem like bs yeah 
And so I, I, I'm kind of interested if his use of those will change in the playoffs. And then with the giddy thing, like, I think it is much easier. You talked about like, okay, some games he's going to start off, you know, missing his first four shots, which we've seen before. Mm-hmm. I do think it's easier to sit him in the regular season. Um, once you get to the playoffs, the pressure of that and like having to make those bit significant of decisions of whether to play a guy or not when he's going through a slump and you don't know whether it's going to be a one game slump or it's going to be a series long slump. Mm-hmm. I think that will be really interesting mm-hmm. whether he like falls back on the, the, the main guys that he trusts or whether he's still willing to be like this flexible with the roster. Yeah. Cause that's kind of been the big story of his coaching career. Like how willing he is going, willing to go deep into his bench on any given night. You know, you look up and Lindy Waters will be playing like 15 minutes, you know, in a game. Right. How different will that look in a playoff setting over the course of a seven game series? We obviously were looking at those playing games last year as kind of like a sign. And they were somewhat, but it's also a single game. Yeah. And over the course of a seven game series, how is his coaching going to change? Because honestly, like in the regular season, I don't really know what else they really need to answer for me specifically. Like, yeah, it'd be cool for them to go on the road and win some games against big teams. They obviously did it against Denver, but they're going to face some other really good teams on the road. I think you mentioned at Miami. That would be a really good test. At Miami is a big one. Yep. Um, And and we'll get more of those as the season goes on. But, yeah, I mean, the Josh question, like at this point, I mean, they were a good – they were a very good team when he was playing poorly. Yeah. When he's playing well, they're like a great team, arguably best team in the league. Mm -hmm. So – Really, I just feel like it's everything's now wait and see to the playoffs because I just don't know what else they need to do. I mean, the the one like new thing last night or just over this recent stretch that I thought's been interesting is Mitic getting more minutes. Yeah, um, he seems to be carving out a role now. We don't know if that's temporary. You know, well, Mark might put someone else in there. I, but. Kind of, I asked Mark about that the other day, and he said yeah. part of that is to kind of prepare them for January. Is oh, okay, and that they just. One, they do want to give him a look, but two, like yeah. they just they they need more, you know, players in January with how crazy the schedule is. They talked about it. The players talked about it a lot last night too. It's just like being being ready for the dog days of January, where it's gonna it's a lot. It's gonna be a yeah. lot of games, and you know, the Thunder honestly ha- compared to everybody else haven't played as many games. Um, so yeah, I saw that Denver had already played like four more games. Yeah. than the Thunder. Yeah. They played a ton of games. Yeah. Um, it's pretty Meets it just interesting, though, because like he does present, as long as he continues not to shoot the ball, uh, he does present <laughs> a lot of the similar strengths and weaknesses as Giddy. Yeah. And it was funny last night, he subbed, Mitsich was in there and he subbed Giddy back in, mm-hmm. where it was both Giddy and Mitsich on the court at the same time. It lasted one play and then yeah. he took one of them off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do think like you have to split those guys up yeah. because it is. It is nice having those playmakers because he is a, a good playmaker, and that's his obvious skill. But yeah, he had five assists in 11 minutes last night. He was great. Yeah, but on the other hand, like he can't really get by anyone. It's unclear what he does offensively like for himself. Like I was looking at his numbers. He's been a good finisher at the rim, yeah. but it's like you know seven I was attempts, say, I think. It's been hardly anything. Yeah, He's had some success in the mid-range on six attempts, and he's <laughs> shooting 20% from three. So... He's a very interesting player because I don't think he hurts them when he's out there yet. Um, 
now maybe teams will start attacking him more aggressively, but he 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 does kind of continue. He allows them to continue playing the way they want to play. Mm-hmm. And if you can get away with that for you know five minutes in each half or whatever he ends up playing, you know I I don't mind it. I don't yeah. mind it. I kind of I kind of like his presence out there. Yeah, I mean he's driving Even, again, last night. Not, he had that over the head hook hook pass. That was that was you really know? cool. You know, look was that to was that to Jay Will or was that to Sh- who was that to? I don't know. I need to I need to look. Trying to remember again. that that was a good play. I think it was to Shea maybe. It was like um, I, I, I found myself just kind of laughing a lot as I was watching the game, and that was definitely one of the moments where you're just like, what, what in the world's going on here? Like, what is, what is this? Because yeah. that lineup in particular was killing, killing the Celtics, and you're just like, what is happening here? Like, this is the this is kind of the goofiest lineup they could put out there. And they <laughs> were just taking it to them. It was really funny. I think it must have been Jay Will that he threw the ball Yeah, I think to. it was Jay Will. Yeah. It, it, it sh- like, even the uh, the fact that he went to Kenrich at the five so quickly. Yeah. Like, I think he brought him in with, like, six minutes, six and a half minutes in the first quarter. And, again, that kind of speaks to, like, how good this is as a matchup for OKC. That they can like do that instantly right out of the gate and not really have to worry about it at all. Yeah. Like if you brought Kenrich in as the first sub against the Lakers again, like I do think you would be a little bit more concerned. Like, oh my gosh, I just hope we can get a board over these next five minutes. Mm-hmm. But it just didn't really matter. Like you could, they could kind of play their way with taking nothing off the table yeah. against Boston, um, which was nice. Again, it would be nice if they were in our conference. Uh, because we will only face them if we were in the finals. But uh, one other stat I thought was interesting: Shea took, uh, I think he took five threes last night. Mm-hmm. All of last season, number of games with five plus threes, seven. Wow, seven games all last season. This season, through however many games, thirty whatever, ten games with five plus threes. Mm-hmm. So it still doesn't feel like he's taking a huge volume, but it is much improved from last season yeah he is having a lot more of those games and he looked pretty confident in his three ball last night oh yeah um hitting that step back Mm -hmm. in particular Mm -hmm. which his shot is just so interesting his shot doesn't look like a lot of shots what do you mean just just the way like aesthetically yeah his step back i can't say that it's like the prettiest yeah shot in the world it's it's functional but yeah. It is functional. Yeah, but it's not. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I was I was looking back at the the play in game and just kind of like thinking yeah. about the roster as it was then. You know, I mean, we know who was starting. It was Jay Will in place of Chet, and then mm. no Kenrich, and obviously no, like no Casey Wallace on this team. Yeah. You know, and then like the guys who played the most off the bench: Isaiah Joe, Wiggins, Sharich, and like Lindy played a little bit. It's. It's crazy how much better the like the team is and the roster is this year. Like adding Chet, Kenrich, and Kaysen basically to the team. Yeah. You know, if if they if like suddenly like, all three of those guys were missing, you know, it would be like, oh man, like I don't know if the Thunder can can keep this up without those three. You know, just like adding those three to the rotation to the roster basically is has made this team so much better and, and also like the improvements uh like shea is a better player dub is a better player dort has been better than he was last year i mean it's 
it's kind of astonishing, <laughs> you know, how much better they are just adding those guys. And two of them are rookies. Yeah. I mean, and maybe like the last question to be answered, and maybe hopefully it doesn't have to be answered, is if they do have any injuries, how, how much will that change things? Yeah. Um, because that is the final question. Like, if this team is healthy, if all these same guys are playing when you get to the playoffs, I, I, I'm, I'm going to have to be confident. <laughs> how, how could I not be? Even if it feels uncomfortable, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to be confident mm-hmm. because they've been so good. And I know that, like, the the big national conversation at this point is obviously now going to be, is this team a contender? Which you already saw some people last night. I saw Fred Katz uh, tweeting that they were a contender full stop. Mm-hmm. And... Really, looking at the stats, like how could you not say that they're a contender? Like, looking purely at this, like the only reason you could say they aren't a contender is purely because it would be a historical anomaly for a team this young in their first playoffs, yeah, to really contend for a title. It's, it's age and playoff experience are literally the only two things that you would say, and those are are not. And, and well, actually, I was going to say those are valid. For Slam and Jam, I might actually go back and see like if I can find some teams that are that they're valid, they are important. But like you look at the Thunder team that made the finals. I mean, the the core of the team, Kevin Durant was twenty three, Russ was twenty three, Harden was twenty two, Ibaka was twenty two. Yeah, you know, like those are the guys. Let me look at the playoff minutes. Um, how how old was Perk when we traded for him? Was he like twenty six by that point? Twenty seven. He was 27 that year. You know, like the guys who played the most minutes. So the guys who played the most minutes in the playoffs, the eight, basically the eight man rotation. You had Daquan Cook playing some. You had Nazi Muhammad playing a little bit. But the guys that played, and and we also have to like have the caveat like they lost in the first round to the Lakers. Then they lost in the conference conference finals finals to the Mavericks. So like they had already kind of been through a little bit, they'd already had like some battles. But like you look at the ages, it's like I said, Katie twenty three, Russ twenty three, James twenty two, Serge twenty two, Perk twenty seven. You had then you had Derek Fisher who joined the team, thirty seven. He screwed everything up. He will screw that average up. He He is dragging it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tabo was twenty seven, and then Nick Collison was thirty one. You know, like that's like those were the guys. Even that though, like even that, this team is so much younger. (laughs) <laughs> compared to that group. Like I know that Shay is a little bit older. Shay is a little bit older, which that team had two 30 year olds in, in their eight man rotation. I know. I know. You look at like the, the it, eight man rotation for the Thunder, it's Wiggins twenty five, Joe twenty four, Kaysen twenty, Giddy twenty one, Dort twenty four, Dub twenty two, Chet twenty one, Shay twenty five. Those are the top eight players. And then Kenrich is twenty nine. Who is the ninth? We get one old ninth, guy. ninth guy. Hey, we, we need Mitsich to play. I was gonna say Vava. He can make us older. He can make us older. Vava turns thirty, January thirteenth. Here we go. And do you think that's why they brought him in? He raises our average age, makes us look more like a contender. Uh, I think it's possible. He's. I mean, he's starting to play a little bit more, and that's when they've started to become true contenders. Whenever Vava plays, that's true. And he's so wise. You think he changes his jersey number when he change when he turns thirty? I sure hope so. Because that's I why sure his hope. jersey number is twenty nine, and it will be a lie after January. Yeah, 12th. I mean, like even the uh, the Grizzlies from a few years ago that won fifty six games, 
Um, you know, obviously that team still had uh, what's his face, our guy Stephen Adams. He was twenty. He was actually only twenty eight at the time. Um, they had Dylan Brooks, who was twenty six. Kyle Anderson, who was twenty eight. So their core was still very young. You know, Ja was twenty two. Bain was twenty three. Mm-hmm. Triple J was twenty two. Mm-hmm. But but even they they had some some older guys on this team. It, it probably would be. I mean, I'll, I'm I'm going to look back, but it probably w- would be a historic anomaly oh. for this team. To even make it, even like to get to the conference finals. Yeah. At the same time. At the same. The stats time. are getting overwhelming. The stats are getting to the point where it's like I don't know what else to say. I feel overwhelmed. If, if they're going to be this good, how can they not be contenders? And it feels even different than because we I we I feel like we've made that same argument in past seasons about other teams. Mm-hmm. You know about. But but it honestly, a lot of the time it wasn't as stats based. Like I remember with that Grizzlies team, the main knock was they're terrible in the half court. Yeah. Like they're a terrible half court yeah, offensive team. Yeah. And that was like one of the things we thought was going to hold them back. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of had a weird playoffs and get bounced. With this Thunder team, it's like everything. Like it's not just that they're winning. It's not. It, it's not just that they're like a good shooting team, which they have been. Mm-hmm. It's it's everything, yeah. everything. Offense, defense, half court, transition. They're good at everything. I it mean, is other than rebounding. Other than rebounding, they're fine at. That's, that's, they're fine at now. <laughs> they're getting they're getting better. I mean, that's that's really is the only true flaw because they they play the right way on offense and defense. They move the ball. They're unselfish. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? 
The Old Man and the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. They're extremely talented. You know, you have Shea, who's a top five player. You have Chet, who I think is a top 30 player. You have Dub, who's probably a top 40-ish player in the league. And then you have, like, you have great... I mean, Kenrich brings so much to this team. He was making Porzingis so mad last night <laughs> because he just, like, comes in and does all the little things that you want a player to do. Like, you have that guy on the team. You have Isaiah Joe, like, sharpshooter, but can do a little bit more. You have Kaysom Wallace, who's... This is, like, the worst version of Kaysom Wallace we will ever see, and he's still really good. You know, you have Dort, who's... Like I mean, he's been awesome. He's shooting forty-one percent from three. He's you know crazy defender, awesome. Giddy's playing better. I mean, you just have like really the only thing that I that I honestly think they could use is is a backup big just for like situ just for situations. But even then, like Jay Will was good yesterday and was really helpful to them. But I still think like maybe they could use like one backup big who like that doesn't necessarily even play every game, but just like. In case of emergency, in case you like you play the Kings or you play, you know, Denver or something in the playoffs, like just yeah. to have a guy to go to for ten minutes. You know, not to not somebody to start, not somebody to like, oh, we gotta move Chet to the power forward. Like, no, 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 no. Like, but just hey, just to have somebody else. Speaking of that, real quick, I don't feel like this has been talked about a lot, but the fact that coming into the season, all the talk was uh, Chet's really needs to play the power forward. Like they got to go get a big. Mm-hmm. You know the Spurs are doing it right. Wemby starting at the four and Zach Collins. That's that's how you need to do it. Meanwhile, fast forward a couple months, Wemby's starting at center and looks like he he's been significantly better. Like he keeps getting better. Part of the reason is because he's able to play as a center. And this like whole conversation, it feels like it has shifted the complete other way where now the Spurs are mirroring what the Thunder are doing with Chet's development. And all of a sudden, and by chance, it's making a lot of sense, Andrew. It's making yeah. a lot of sense. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, on the mm-hmm. on the big thing, that's like when why when people bring up names like Clint Capella uh, or names like that, I am open to the idea that you need a backup big. I do not think you want a backup big who expects to be a starter, has always been a starter, and is on a significant contract. If you yeah. can find that guy for super cheap, sure. Um, obviously we've talked about Kelly Olnick and I know he's not like that kind of a backup big. He kind of is a backup big that would allow them to keep playing the way they like to he's play. St- he's still like, when people ask like, wh- like, what do you, because people ask me all the time, like at games and everything, like, who do you think they should go? Yeah. Play? Like, I'm going to have the most like boring answers for you. It's just like, just like prefaces <laughs> for him. Like, <laughs> see, like Royce O'Neal you know, or Kelly Olenek or somebody like that. It's like, okay. Here, here's the deal though. Cause somebody tweeted at me that, uh, that like okay, this team doesn't need to make a huge move. They don't, maybe don't even make a medium move. What what about a small move? And they brought up Kelly Olnick. Yeah, I would argue that any trade that the Thunder would make, where you're actually bringing in a rotation player, is a pretty significant move. Like it, I don't look at Kelly Olnick as a small trade. If you're bringing in a guy that you expect to slot immediately into this rotation, I think that's like. I think that's a real trade. So I know those aren't, you don't feel like those are big names, mm-hmm. but 
I think that would signal to me something about like what this front office feels about this team. If they're going out and getting guys like that, because those are, those are real NBA vets mm-hmm. who have played real NBA minutes. That's what, I mean, but that's what they, you need. Like Kelly Olenek is 32. When does he turn 33? He turns 33 in April, just in time for the playoffs. That would help our average just age. Just to up the average age. age. You know, yeah. I, I just, uh, I, I'm still open to those ideas. I totally get people at this point, especially who are like, let's just run this, see what happens. Yeah. My, my, my only argument against that is uh, just the health thing. I just think the the worst thing that could happen is that you have one or two injuries that by the time you get to the playoffs, it's like, ah, well, better luck next year. Yeah. Like like if, if you had an injury to like Isaiah Joe, who, who we've talked about would be a significant loss, mm-hmm. or, or like a Kenrich, and then you get to the playoffs and it's like, man, if we just had one more guy, we could have made a real run at it. I think if you can just get some reinforcements don't even have to they don't have to be big names as we've talked about yeah but just some reinforcement so that going into the playoffs you know that you can take a hit you can take two hits and and you can still throw out really good lineups Mm -hmm. i don't think you want to get to the playoffs and you're playing like the back of the roster yeah and 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 still expecting to have like a, a a nice run yeah i i don't disagree with that at all I would I would have like said maybe Goga, but Goga still has still been starting with Goga. with Wendell Carter back. You know. Oh, really? Is that true? Yeah, Wendell Carter played last night, and Goga yeah. Goga still played more minutes than him and started. And they, I mean, they lost the game. Hmm. But, so, but that's uh, that's kind of interesting. I mean, they're playing a lot of centers. I mean, they're playing Mo Wagner, Patadze, Wendell Carter. It just seems like a lot. <laughs> It's yeah, just, just let us have. God, on. Gogo was six for six. Gogo's good. He's, Gogo's he's a little gem. Gogo's actually good. I mean, I think they needed to. If you're going to pounce on him, it should have been in the in the off season because I think that that the Gogo yeah, ship probably. may have sailed. Although, like, I think I might. That might be the first time anyone has ever said that phrase in the history of man. I think so. The um, Gogo ship. The Gogo ship has sailed, but I, I think it's somebody like that. Um, let's let's uh let's see. Just, just somebody that is maybe not needed on a roster. An old guy, old big man. Well, would you, would you yeah, welcome back Mike Muscala? Oh hell yeah! And, I he mean, could, you, he he could get bought out. Muscala, you could legitimately not play. I just yeah. to have him around as a shooter, be great. As a smiley guy, as a smiley guy, maybe we could see some. Obviously, we've been deprived of our Poku Chet frontline dreams. Yeah. But some moose chet? Oh, huh? some oh, some moose chet for sure. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Yeah. And, and he's and we and we know how it works here in Oklahoma City. It works great. It works very well. Can you imagine some like Shea, Isaiah Joe, Moose lineups? Actually, I can because I'm pretty sure those. <laughs> I was gonna say we. It's <laughs> the bomber lineup. That's what he. That's what they call it. They call it yeah. the bomber lineup. Yeah. But but yeah, I I totally uh, I I will uh, concede that the team does not need to make a big trade. Though I think I always said that I said they don't need to do they this. Don't, but it's they something definitely that came don't. Up. Yeah, they don't. They definitely they don't need, don't to, need but. to. But I agree um, that for the playoffs, and, and maybe the, maybe maybe the more bodies, and maybe the mode is still like let's just see what we've got. Like, let's just see what we got. 
But still, I think what you got is pretty awesome. Let me just let me just say this team is incredible. And to just add like one bench piece, like and like, it doesn't like have to a, be a long commitment because it's the same thing like, like a moose, like a Royce O'Neal. Like I still think Royce O'Neal would be a great addition to this team. And maybe he wouldn't be very happy not being a guy that plays all the time. Um but he'd be a guy that's playing on like a really good playoff team. So Yeah. Cause that's the thing. Like if you really believe this team is a contender, which I, I I'm assuming a lot of Thunder fans at this point do, you do want to give yourself that chance. Like yeah. if you really do think they're a contender, you want to give yourself that chance. Because if what happened last year happens again, which is that Kenrich gets hurt. And the team did fundamentally change. Mm -hmm. They still had good nights, mm -hmm. but they did change. Now, yeah. they, as you mentioned, they didn't have Kaysen. They didn't have Chet. If you can just buy some insurance for a scenario like that, mm -hmm. that's that's all I'm talking about at this point. Yeah. And that could be a very small move. Yeah, without um, a doubt. Without a doubt. Because, I mean, but, the guys that are that would be stepping up into those spots, one, you probably just shorten your rotation. But, like, I think we, yeah. I think we, it's, it's safe to say, like, Poku, Jang... Trey like those guys are not playing they're not gonna they would not like poku especially he needs to get to the dressing stage poku first. especially yeah for I sure need to see him in a uniform again I'll also say this i would not be opposed to some sar time that's all in the playoffs just in in general in general maybe not in the playoffs uh-huh but he's, i mean i know like, I, he plays, I know i was into I when know. He, I know. When he plays, he's pretty good. When season. he plays, he's good, and you know it. And you know it. I know it. But we've reached the stage now where it's like this team is so good, and and you're trying to talk me into no, 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 no. I'm not trying to talk you into anything. I'm not trying to talk you into anything. I I think they're going to play small. Like first of all, like I think they're going to play small, and that's where a guy like Royce O'Neal could help. It's like he just helps keep you playing the same way. Even Moose, who's not small, but like keeps you playing the same way. Uh, I think those are the kind of the players that they're going to want to add to this team. I don't think they're going to add because people are like, oh, we got to get Jared Allen or we got to get this guy or that guy. They're not, I don't think they're going to add a big piece that doesn't match the identity of the team. Yeah, that that role, I think, if they wanted to, can be filled with a much smaller player. Like it, it does, and I, I think it should not be filled with like a $25 million contract. Yeah. You don't want. When you when you see how good Chet is at the five, you don't want to then go out and get a guy who can only play center and is also making twenty five million a year. Yeah, that that player needs to be making like under ten minimum. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that and that's why, like the guys that we're mentioning, who I I know that you think as like bigger players, but I would say, like the the guys like. Or Sonil Olenek, like bench players for your team that will play. Like one, it's a low commitment; yeah. they're expiring. You could probably just use your second round picks to get him, and they fit the identity of the team. Both above average passers for their position. Both guys that can shoot. Both guys that aren't sieves on defense. Like they fit the identity of the team. They allow you to continue to play the way that you play, and that's why that's why like Dario was was a good player for them last year because. He fit the identity of the team. And that's why I think that it's insane to me when people point out guys like Jared Allen. It's like, Jared Allen doesn't fit the identity of the Thunder whatsoever. He would be completely different than the way that they play. And you have to like alter the way that you play 
just for that guy. So we have to really, really consider that one, if they even are going to make a trade, which I kind of lean toward they're not going to. But also, we just don't we'll know. Probably do a little something. But also, we just don't know. Like, we just don't know what they're going to do. But it, would it shock me if they did nothing? It would not shock me at all if they did nothing um, between now and the trade deadline. But I can, I would be floored if they went for somebody that didn't play the way that they play. I would be absolutely floored. Or, or that would, I mean, because you had that tweet a week ago or so about, you know, why would you want to disrupt this? That's those are the types of moves where I actually agree with you. Where I think that a move wow. for thank you a start. I know usually I, I hate everything you tweet, but <laughs> th- those are the types of moves where I do agree with you. Like if you're going to bring in a starting level center, yeah, that would disrupt. And it doesn't mean that they wouldn't be good they could still be good but it, it would yeah. disrupt whatever is going on right now because without they would have to change so much without a doubt bringing in whoever kelly olnick royce o'neill whatever yeah that's that's not going to disrupt that, that much no, it, like it accentuate are are some guys not going to get as many minutes if you bring in a player like kelly olnick yeah jay will not may not play as much if kelly olnick was here yeah kelly olnick is a better player than jay will he's a better player he would he would definitely play over him he he's he's kind of what we hope Jay Will will be, you know, as yeah. he continues to develop. Yeah. Uh, in 10-point games, Andrew, which means, like, the final score was, you know, 10 points. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, the, the Thunder we, are 14 we clarify, and one. please? <laughs> the, the Thunder are 14-1. and one, Wow. Which uh, just tells me, like, and when it's within 10 points, like they're handling their business. They, no other team has one loss when it comes to that. The Mavericks are 11 and 10 in 10 point games, which tells me that they're not blowing out a ton of teams. No, they're playing a lot of close games. And they're playing a lot of close games and they're screwing up in a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, they're now 11 and 8 against teams above 500. Solid. That's, I mean, that's Solid. really good, especially when you're just pummeling the bad teams. Yeah, I mean, in comparison, Minnesota's fifteen and six, very good. Boston's fifteen and five. Yeah. So they, they, you know, they could they could prove a little bit more, I suppose, if we're if we're actually talking about them as a contender. But Mm -hmm. they they've they've been much more impressive there than they were last year. Yeah. Um. Well, I feel like there's some other things I was I was going to point out, but yeah, it's just every stat for this team now is like, it's hard not to it's hard not to sound like a homer, you know. Uh, it's they make it really tough not to sound like a homer because you're like, yeah, Shea could be the MVP. You know, they're gonna have the Rookie of the Year. Could Mark be the yeah. Coach of the Year? Like you say, Probably, those, he he is, dude. I know, and that's why you feel like such a homer because you're like, hey, they're just gonna like sweep the awards here. <laughs> they are. <laughs> I mean, the, the the Chet and Mark thing, those. I don't want to say set in stone, but yeah, I would. They're, they're probably the betting favorites. I'm assuming they're both the betting favorites. Yeah. Shay MVP is getting like very close to just being like a thing that a lot of people are going to be saying. Yeah. Like I think Steve Jones Jr. in their little uh, 2024 preview with mm-hmm. JJ Reddick, that was his like one of his bold takes that Shay's going to win the MVP. Yeah. And like the, he, the, the team is hitting all of the check boxes that would allow Shay to do that. Mm-hmm. Like if they're within a game, if they finish the season a game within the first seed. Like yeah, 
I think it's I, probably going to be Shea. I think that they'll give him the MVP. I I totally agree. I totally agree with that. Which is which would be nuts. It would be that, nuts. Even though he finished <clears throat> top five last year. Yeah, that is nuts. Yeah, we've had guys that have finished. You know, we had Paul George third in the MPP voting. You know, I mean, it's. Can you hear that alarm in my background? No, no, no. Okay, someone um, broke into the plaid pantry. I fear. Uh oh. <laughs> Oh no! Uh, spe- a shout out to JJ Reddick and his his newsletter. Uh, Tommy does like what he's listening to on there. Yeah. He put down to dunk on there what he's listening to on the J- on JJ's newsletter. So that was very nice. It's, yeah, it's always funny to think. Um, obviously, we know we have a lot of Thunder listeners. Yeah, and they kind of get the deal of what all the different shows are. But it's deal. always funny thinking about non-thunder people listening and maybe just dropping in on like a friday show <laughs> as opposed to like a monday or wednesday and just wondering what that experience is like yeah well someone who's coming in blind we get to see it a little bit on youtube because like people like well uh, we get the most pissed. comments on on friday pods there was a, a pretty significant um chat going on in the comment section on friday where it's like do you guys really think they're funny? You know, kind of thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then you have like the the down to dunk, the the true dunkers come in and like defend, and they're like, no, 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 like you don't understand. You know, it's it's great, it's great. I love it. It's great. Um. Yeah. I mean, shout out. Hey, there's so many. There's so many great Thunder podcasts. I'm gonna be on. Uh, I'm going on. Um. Topic Thunder. Are you? Weeks. Yeah. Wow. There. Got wow. Out. How about that? Uh, recording on a Friday. Wow. Wow. I've got I've got some significant guests I'm working on for this podcast right now. For down to dunk? For down to dunk. That wow. are I mean we're we're on like the one yard line with, with two really fun guests that I think okay. people really like. So I'm hoping I don't know if I'll do one this week and next week, but Within the next like couple of weeks, like there'll be some some big time some big time guests coming on the show. Wow! So uh, let me check before we go, Andrew. Uh-huh. Let me check how they're doing on their half court stats. Always want to see what they're doing there. Um. Okay. Points for pl- points per play in the half court. Number one. Number one. Number one by a, a wide margin. One hundred seven point four points. I know I've per hundred plays. I've been checking uh, it after games, and I just can't. I still just can't believe it because sometimes, and I, and I try to I try to watch a lot of other teams, but sometimes when you're yeah. just like focus on the Thunder, like either you think like oh my gosh they're so much better than everybody, or you just like try to like guard against that, you know, with right, how you're right, watching right. like oh they well, they're good, but like they can't be that good. But then you like like you said like you look at the stats and you're like oh my gosh, they're there's really a that big good. gap relatively speaking, between them and Indiana, who's at number two. Now, here's what's so interesting. So on uh, Cleaning the Glass, they split it up into half-court plays and then put-back plays. So, you know, getting an offensive rebound, and then that starts a new play. They obviously don't do well there. Mm -hmm. In terms of points per miss, they're 29th in the league. In terms of plays per miss, they're 29th in the league. That's not surprising. We know that they're not a great offensive rebounding team. Mm -hmm. However... Points per play, which doesn't take into a that, that's that's only scenarios where they get the offensive rebound, right? Mm-hmm. So points for play, points per play, they're twenty seventh 
on those putback plays, which I think is just so strange because you would think it would just be another type of half court like setting. Yeah. And so why shouldn't they also be very good at those? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, defensively in the half court, they are now number four. Number four. So still top five in both. Transition offense. What, what would you guess they are? We'll do points for points per play. Points per play and transition offense. I don't know. Yeah. Fourth. Eleventh. Eleventh. They're terrible, okay. Andrew. They're ter- terrible. They're awful. They're just top half uh, of the league. Transition defense. What would you guess? Transition defense. Thirteenth. Uh, Three. Wow. They're third wow. in transition defense. Wow. That's that is that's impressive. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. Oh, hey, before we go, mm-hmm. I was gonna I was gonna ask you a stat. Um crap, now I have to remember what the stat was. Um, give me a second, just talk about anything. Uh Brody Stevens says he says, without uh generalizing too much, the Friday guys are funny in a way that Aussies find Aussies, sorry, Aussies find funny, which isn't oh, really? always the case with all American comedy. The intelligent but kind of weird humor is very Aussie. Interesting. Thank you, Brody Stevens. Um, Stephen Brody Stevens. Okay, ready, Andrew? Yeah. This is your this is your stat. I'm going to give you as many guesses as possible to get this correct. Okay. Okay. We know that the Thunder are not good offensive rebounding. They rebound 23.6 percent of their own misses, which is uh, good or bad for 28th in the league. Uh-huh. So there are only two teams worse than them when it comes to offensive rebound percentage. Who are they? Just start rattling off teams. Say 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 the stat again. I got distracted by something. Uh, so the the two teams who are worse at offensive rebound percentage than the Thunder. Mm-hmm. There's only two of them in the league. Wizards. That is one of them. Great guess. Okay, so you only have to get the other one. Um, I knew that just because I knew like they're overall the only team that's worse than the Thunder <laughs> in like <laughs> rebound percentage. Um, is it the Grizzlies? Is not the Grizzlies. I'm also going to be looking in the chat. Whoever says it first. Uh, Hornets. Not the Hornets. Mavericks. Nope. Spurs. Nope. Indy. Nope. Um, Lakers. Detroit. No. It is the Lakers. Wow. That was just a random guess. How is that the case? I know. I, I couldn't believe that when I saw that. How is that the case? It doesn't sound real. That is really, really weird. Um, I didn't see your super chat hotspot casino. Sorry. He says, FYI, I wish media would stop with the big three talk. Shea is our leader, and after that, it's Giddy who gives the team its gives this team an identity. Nothing against Cheddar J Dub. It's Shea than everybody else. I think th- that's true. Like it's definitely like Shea is the man, and he allows everything else to work. Um I totally get that. I totally get that. But that's just the Wait, way his, people, his, that's just the way that people think, though. Like with with but, but also to, it's it's historical. Teams. Like if you go back to yeah, the big exactly. three in Miami, yeah. like obviously LeBron, it was, was on another tier, yeah. Than Chris Bosh, especially, yeah. But it's it's more representing that like you could go into next season and legitimately rank all three of Shea. Dub and Chet as top thirty players in the league. Mm-hmm. You legitimately could do that. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I mean, depending on how the rest of the season plays out. So I think that's more what the big three is about. Yeah. It's, it's, it's saying that we have this many players on this level of a tier in the NBA. Yeah. And it, while it's true that Giddy does probably affect their identity more, although I think Chet, Chet gives them a, a definite. Chet gives them defensive like a, Id- defensive identity and a more sustainable identity. I think I get what he's saying because I and I don't agree because I th- or I don't disagree because I think I've said this before too. Is that like Giddy helps them get into the way they want to play with his with the way he pushes the ball, his intelligence, his passing. Like he really does get them into it. I mean, the last eight games. They're having a 123.7 offensive rating. It's That would be third in the league, only behind Boston and the Clippers, better than Indy, better than Milwaukee, who have been like amazing, you know, offensive teams this year. You know, that, and a part of it is like Giddy's just been better. Like he's been so much better um, in this last eight games. It's been very, it's been very helpful. I, I don't disagree with, with that fact. I also just think that it's, we haven't found a way. The Thunder haven't found a way yet, and they're figuring it out. Um, they haven't found a way yet for it to be like completely sustainable, like for every single game, and it just like work, just like clockwork. Where with like J Dub and Chet, like it's it's more like you can more count yeah, I mean, on that if that makes sense. It's hard to watch Chet last night and not wish that he had the usage that like Porzingis had in that same game. Yeah, like. I would love seeing Chet take 18 shots in a game. Yeah. And, and part of that's going to be on the coaching staff to make them to, to just like f- force, force that to happen and like find ways yeah. for that to happen. Because in a lot of ways, like Boston still got what they wanted out of the Thunder and the Thunder just beat them anyways. Right. And like, and that's the way that that's the way the playoffs are going to look is, is that teams will scheme to make your worst players beat you, beat beat them. Like that's how that's how the playoffs work. And it's Dort and Giddy. Like, hey, beat beat us. Like Dort and Giddy, if you guys can beat us, we're gonna make you beat us. We're gonna lot. We're gonna do what we can. And like, you know, what was wrong with J Dub most of the game? It's like Jason Tatum was guarding him. Tatum has been awesome on defense. Like yeah. and then they had to switch him, and then whenever they switched him, they switched who <laughs> had the ball. That's why he blew up in the fourth. That's why he blew up in the fourth. Exactly. And so that's what, and that's what that's what they wanted. Like that's what the team, that's what the Boston Celtics wanted. The Thunder beat them anyways. But when you get to a seven game series, teams are going to look at the way that they schemed that the other teams have schemed the Thunder, and they're going to have the time and the energy and the effort to put forth to make the Thunder's worst attribute about them on offense beat them and like that that's and it will the and it will be even more extreme like Without teams will not care if dort ends the season as a 40 percent shooter yeah they will be happy to sag off of both him and giddy and just pack the paint against shea yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. they will absolutely do that yeah yeah and then you know then you'll either have a game like last night where at least one of those guys comes through and hits their threes yeah or you're going to have some games where they're probably both going to start like 0 for 4. Yeah. Well, and that was what in this, like you would, you would want them both to play well. But I think it's like one thing that's like kind of good when you're thinking about this team is that only one of them played well, you know, at least shot the ball well, you know. Yeah, and so it's because it would feel like more of an aberration if it was like, oh yeah, Dort and Giddy went 8 of 12 from 3, you know. 
And then it's like, yeah, well, that's going to happen how many times this season? Like three? You know, it it was, it it felt, <laughs> you can feel a little bit better and like feel a little bit more like, oh, okay, this was sustainable because like it it wasn't some like aberration, you know, shooting night for them. Like they've, they've been the best shooting team in the league and they shot like that last night as a, as a collective they did. Um, I mean, that's the only thing we haven't really, didn't really even touch on. I was like, it's the best shooting team in basketball. I mean, Law Murray did this article about the best shooting teams in the league and he had the Thunder number one, like number one in the NBA. It's it, that to me, I still just, it just feels so bizarre to me. That Here, uh, I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna share something real quick so that our uh, watchers on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you YouTubers, we got we got we have tons of people. It's not a record number, but maybe a record number for just like a random Wednesday pod. I know this isn't a random Wednesday pod. This is after like them being amazing, but we have so many people in the chat. Um, if you guys will please subscribe to the channel, one that would be great, and then two, hit the like button right now. Uh, we need lots, um, lots of likes. Hit that, hit that thumbs up. Hit the thumbs up. So what I'm showing you is uh, on cleaning the glass. You can look at, you know, how they're doing in terms of percentage, in all these different factors, and just look across the board. Like in terms of all threes, they're thir- shooting 39.9 percent first in the league. On non-corner threes, they're second in the league. In corner threes, they're sixth in the league. All mid-range, they're second in the league. Long mid-range, eighth in the league. Short mid-range, <laughs> second in the league. The only thing that they're below average at is at the rim, where they're shooting 65.9%, which is good for 16th in the league. But the volume. Where's the volume? Volume? I can bring up volume. Let's go to frequency. At the rim. Uh, How will I find them? Okay, so they're going to be third again here. I mean, you're just getting there all the time. And it will. I think it will improve. Um, Yeah, so they're 13th in uh, rim frequency. The thing they do the most at least compared to the rest of the league, and this is percentage of their sh- attempts, mm-hmm. is a short mid-range. Yeah. So kind of in that floater range. And, they, and they're seventh in the league. Uh, and that's, but see, look at that. They're 20th in the percentage of their shots from three wow. while being the number one three-point shooting team in the league. Man, yeah. they can bump that up either through just who they have on the roster or if they brought in someone like Kelly Olnick who's going to shoot a little bit more. Yeah. Bump you, it you up. You can get that up into... Top half, then they're then they're see you later, see you later, league. See you later, NBA. Uh, see you later. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for listening to our show. Uh, I love that we get to do this. I love that we have so many people watching us live on YouTube. This is great. Uh, let's continue to to build this as the Thunder show that they're contenders. And what's cool is like they're going to keep getting better like we talked about them being so young what happens with young teams like this as long as they stay together is that they just get better and i i am overwhelmed and so excited to just continue to do this this is so much fun um hope you guys have an awesome rest of your wednesday and we will talk to you guys again on friday looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.